With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Good evening. Good morning. Whatever time zone it is that you're listening from, uh, it's good to have you with us. We're recording this podcast on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm pleased to be joined by Fran Fraschilla, my former ESPN colleague. Uh, he's still working for the network, doing college basketball uh, as an analyst, one of the greatest. Uh, also doing Sirius XM radio, where uh, you can hear him uh, expound on all things college basketball and NBA draft, especially in the days leading up to the draft. Fran, thanks very much for for coming on the show it's a pleasure chris i always uh in our when we have crossed paths in the past uh always been fun to catch up with you you're the you're the basketball junkie that i am so we have a we have a lot in common and i'm a former westchester county native uh not native but lived in white plains for eight years yeah, I'm still stuck here, and we're getting snowed on, snowed on again for the second time in six days, and there will be nothing but online school for my uh, t- my tenth grader tomorrow. Listen, I don't worry about the snow; I worry about the taxes. You know? <laughs> that's why I'm in Dallas, but that's where my wife's home is. Thanks so for we're reminding me. On to a more cheerful subject. Okay. The possibility of we're going to start with the possibility of an Olympic Games. Yeah, um, they're going to they're scheduled to be uh, taking place in Tokyo from July 23rd to August 8th. And there was some news this past week uh, coming out of FIBA. The draw came out. Yeah. Team USA is in a group uh, match with uh, Iran and with France. Um, And let's start there, uh, Fran, because the French national team has a lot of NBA players. I mean, everybody knows Rudy Gobert and and Kevin Fournier. Uh, Killian Hayes of the the Detroit Pistons is about to get a heck of a lot more playing time uh, if Derrick Rose gets traded. Uh, there's other guys, uh, TLC, yeah. Timothy, uh, Luau Cabro of the, uh, of the Brooklyn Nets, Nick Batum of the Clippers, Frank Nilakina of the Knicks, uh, unless he gets traded to Detroit. It's <laughs> a Poirier of the 76ers, um, Siku Dumbaya of the, of the Pistons. So French, the, the French national team has an NBA roster. Um, and so the, let me put it to you right there. Um, assuming Team USA goes over there with the best team Team USA possibly can, how close can France come? Well, there's a couple of assumptions there. Number one, Chris, I don't think the best team we can send over will possibly go over because, remember, most of the stars, or many of the stars, I should say, will still be playing in July in the NBA playoffs. Um, talking to Sean Ford of USA Basketball, they're very confident they'll put together a strong team. But without some guys that are going to play right up until the uh, beginning of the Olympic Games, having said that, knowing that we'll probably send a reasonably good team, um, France is always a problem. France beat us uh, in 19 in the World uh, 
championships, I believe. Um, and remember, you mentioned a lot of guys that um, who are in the NBA. Rudy Gobert certainly is a star. Evan Fournier is very good. But this French team, there's no fear factor. Okay, let's put it that way. Kids like Nando DiColo, who were over here for a little bit uh, in the NBA and now is a star in Europe. Fabian Kasur, a guy you and I mentioned the other day, was playing in Spain. Uh, uh, my son, uh, my son uh, played with Amat Embai, who played at Oklahoma and is now playing in Turkey. He was actually Amat's best man at his wedding. And Amat started for the French team a couple of years ago when they beat USA. Uh, these guys have no fear of us. And I think you know that because through the years, as, as these international teams has gotten more, have gotten more comfortable playing against the USA, they're not as intimidated by the guys that we now send over. So it'll be a nice challenge for USA in pool play uh, because we know France has a quality team who play together a lot in the summer, so they know each other well. And you, you make a good point about the NBA playoffs, and we'll get, we'll get into that a little more, especially as it relates to the, the third team that Team USA is going to face. But let's right. say the Lakers go all the way to the NBA Finals. Hey, man, LeBron James is not going to the Olympics, and he wants to go. Yeah. Uh, that would also keep Anthony Davis off the squad. So um, the, the teams that succeed in the NBA playoffs are going to, their players are just not going to be able to, to make it into camp and to, to make it uh, to the IOC deadline to be a name to the roster. And yeah. so Jerry Colangelo, I've had him on my show. He said, look, I, I got to kind of think about it and rethink it every single day. Uh, Cause I just, I'm, I'm not sure that number one, that we're going to go. And number two, who I'm going to have to pick from in my player pool. But he's been down this road many times before, as you know, Fran, and they, yes. they always they always kind of scramble and put together the best they can at, uh, uh, at the last minute. Sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it isn't. Um, and the most recent example being the the World Cup in China, uh, where, where Team USA just couldn't compete. And, yeah, and we laid an egg. We laid an egg, basically. Yeah, we, there's there's only been two eggs that, that I've experienced. Well, three, I should say, because <laughs> there was Indianapolis in 2002. That was a sixth place finish. Yeah, Peter Brown's team at the Athens Olympics lost three times, including by 19 points to Puerto Rico in the opener. But then there was a, a winning streak that lasted over a decade, and, uh, and and it didn't end until the World Cup in China. So uh, so let's go back to France because I want you to tell us about one guy that uh, a lot of people have not heard of it, and it's the, the shooting guard uh, that you spoke of who plays for Real Madrid. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. Well, Fabian Casur. Fabian Casur. Yeah, I've seen him, uh, oh gosh, since he was a young player. And, uh, you know, solid player, not quite good enough to play in the NBA, 6'5. Um, he, went, he went undrafted. He's a lefty. And, uh, you know, he's 33 years old. So he's got EuroLeague experience. He's, uh, he's won championships in the Spanish League, which is. Arguably, the Euro League is the second best league in the world, Chris, as you know, but it's, in a, it's a compilation of the best teams in Europe. Uh, Fabian has also won, uh, you know, championships in places like uh, France and Germany. And so, you know, a good player. I wouldn't say that necessarily he's a guy that we would worry about, but, but Fabian is the prototype of guys um, – that are playing in Europe who the average NBA fan doesn't know. I mentioned Amat Embai, for example, 
former uh, Sooner star. Uh, you know, uh, Gershon Yabuselli, who I think is back in Europe now after a cup of coffee with the, you know, with the Boston Celtics. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Roddy Bobois, as you remember, came over to the Mavericks, uh, looked like he was going to be a, a really good player, and then he flamed out. These guys are all playing around Europe and, uh, again, have not only high-level professional experience, some of them with cups of coffee in the NBA, like Nando DiColo, perfect example, you know, uh, was in Toronto. Uh, but anyway, guys like Fabian Kassour, Nando DiColo, uh, Yavuseli, um, again, no fear factor. They've played for a long time. They're a long time pro, some of them in their early thirties. And they present a problem because once this team comes together, uh, the French national team to start training for Tokyo, they already have chemistry. They've already played together. These guys have all been together for a while, you know, for, for parts of every summer. So that's the dangerous part about guys like Kasur. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have a, a, a very, very strong squad, although the, the NBA playoff factor could impact Rudy Gobert's availability. Yeah, yeah. now I would, I would say this about guys like Rudy. Remember now, Jokic is in the same boat with Serbia. Right. And Serbia has to still qualify. What happens with those teams is if you're France or Serbia, as you put your national team together, you're going to put Rudy and Jokic on your roster regardless because you can't get a better player than those guys. So even if Rudy or Jokic, like say the Nuggets or the Jazz, uh, get all the way to the NBA Finals and they end on, let's say, July 21st, those guys will get on a plane and fly right to Tokyo because they will play for their national teams. Whereas Jerry Colangelo's decision is, do we will LeBron play if he plays to the final game of Game 7 of the NBA playoffs, or are we better off grabbing, you know, uh, Zion Williamson, you know, who we know is going to be available. So that's the dilemma that Jerry has that some of the, these other national team uh, organizations don't have, because you know, Rudy's going to be on the French roster regardless. Right. And Jerry wants to have his team together uh, and playing together uh, under coach pop, as long as the Spurs don't make it to the finals. Right. There's one for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cause they're creating a bubble out in Las Vegas and they're going to bring some teams in. Right. And, and just, play all their exhibition games in Las Vegas in, in a couple of weeks leading to July 21st when they would get on an airplane. But let's talk a little bit more about those uh, Olympic pre-Olympic qualifiers because Team USA's bracket includes France and, and yeah. Iran, uh, or Iran, depending on your pronunciation, but then it also includes um, a, a, a fourth team. And uh, it's going to be very competitive figuring out who that fourth team is. There's uh, there's a bunch, there's four different Olympic qualifying tournaments, but the one yes. in Canada, the winner of that goes into Team USA's group. And those teams are Greece, which would have Giannis. Yes. Playing. Canada, which will have a, a, a whole squad full of NBA players and probably including Jamal Murray. And then uh, the four also runs, which will be China, Uruguay, Turkey, and the Czech Republic. Um, yeah. So again, uh, what about Team Canada? Let's start with them because I, Greece, you pretty much know it's Giannis and, and a bunch of uh, guys who play well together. Three guys, yeah. yeah. But they always play well together and they've beaten yeah. USA before. Yes. Um, the two teams in the, the two powerhouse teams are not doing all that well in EuroLeague right now, but the Greek right. is a different story. But what about Team Canada? Um, it, uh, okay. Well, Murray, um, let's assume that Andrew Wiggins is not going to play because he usually doesn't, but Kelly Olenek will play. There's right. guys from Canada scattered all throughout the uh, the NBA. 
Yeah, no question about it. Now, the interesting thing about Canada is um, they made the financial commitment to host the games. In the past, there was always an issue about Canadian basketball. Did they have the money to, uh, you know, to, to, to host a qualifying event, which would give them an advantage theoretically? So, yes, this year, this, this qualifying event is in Victoria. And th- as you know, Chris, I've seen it at the college level, but certainly now at the NBA level, there's more Canadians playing in the NBA than ever before. Uh, when you talk about guys like Tristan Thompson and, and Olenek and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dylan Brooks, Jamal Murray, how about R.J. Barrett, right? Um, Brandon Clark, we could go on and on. The dilemma will be who's going to play. And um, if they can put together a roster that fits. And by the way, Nick Nurse will be coaching that team, the coach of the Raptors. And so you not only have to worry about his availability with NBA playoffs, but then the various players who might still, you know, still be playing. Uh, Jamal Murray comes to mind with the Nuggets. Same situation as Jokic. If they put together the type of team that I think they can put together, um, they can cause problems. But uh Unless USA is devoid of the kind of superstar talent we expect them to send, um, they'll still be fighting an uphill battle. But no question about Canada. They've gotten better and better every year. And again, there's no fear factor. I mean, Jamal Murray uh, routinely roasts guys in the NBA on a given night. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a terrific player. Barrett's getting better. Uh, Tristan Thompson rebounds at anybody. So, you know, the fear factor is gone when Canada plays USA for sure. Yeah. There's three other qualified tournaments. There's one in Serbia that Serbia figures to come out of as the winner. Yeah. They both got a great team. There's one in Lithuania that Lithuania figures <laughs> to come out of, although yeah. Slovenia's always got a good team. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's another in Croatia where Brazil or Croatia or Germany could come out. Right. Uh, even Russia. Uh, the Russian national team has, has had some success, especially under David Blatt. And that's going to make up the Olympic field. But um, I want to take a uh, turn it over again. I'm on with Fran Fraschilla uh, from ESPN and SiriusXM Radio. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Fran Fraschilla. I'm Chris Sheridan. I'm on Twitter at Sheridan Hoops, and this is the Sheridan Show on BasketballNews.com. Fran, let's turn it to the NBA draft, um, yep. where the, you've been doing for years and years. Always in the uh, your expert zone is is all of the draft, but your your specialty where a lot of guys can't fly in the same airspace is international picks. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're seeing uh, a couple guys from the G League Ignite uh, and a couple guys from Gonzaga sitting in the, in the mock top 10, but yeah. you're not seeing any, uh, any international guys in the first round. Um, why is that? Is it a weak year for international prospects or is the fact that, I mean, there's Usman Garuba from Real Madrid yeah. is in there, but yeah. Um, it's Chris, it's cyclical. It's cyclical. It really is like, and, and the other thing that you have to keep in mind and your listeners have to keep in mind is the impact of industry. You've, you've seen it even, you know, more so than anybody, the impact international players have had on the NBA is dramatic. And it all probably goes back to 1992 with the dream team. It, 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 it gave all these kids in places like Germany, Dirk Nowitzki, Spain, Gasol, and, and other places around the world, the belief that they could someday play in the NBA. And as you know, if you look at the, the, the beginning of this NBA season, once again, a fifth of the league is born outside the United States. 
and probably from 40 different countries. On average, it's usually from 40 different countries around the world. So it is cyclical. I'll give you an example. Let's go back to last season. Um, you might say, well, you know, where are the international guys? I don't see Pokashevsky, the youngster from Serbia, went 17th. But let's keep this in mind. Um, Isaac Okoro's family, Nigerian immigrants. Okongwu, Nigerian immigrants. Denny Avdia, an Israeli kid who I missed. Um, there were other, like Precious Achua, Nigerian immigrants. Zeke Najali, Nigerian immigrants. Uh, the Timberwolves have the rights to Leandro Balmero from Argentina. He's going to stay. He's still in Spain now. So the impact has been dramatic, but it is cyclical. Um, this particular year, as I look at my guys, um, two of the first round picks are going to be college kids, but were born outside the United States. Kai Jones from Texas, mm -hmm. a Bahamian kid, Bahamian, I should say. And Jonathan Kaminga, who, as you mentioned, is in the G League Ignite team, who's a young man from the Congo. So it does work cyclically, but it doesn't mean the impact is any less because a lot of these kids are now coming over to college and not necessarily jumping off from, you know, places like Spain. And, you know, Sir, Serge Ibaka was born in the Congo, but we remember that he spent his early formative basketball years in Spain. So a lot of different ways these international kids are impacting the NBA. And there's not a lot of high school kids playing uh, inter over in Australia or playing internationally this year, uh, in part because of, of the Ignite and the, in part because of the pandemic. Yep. So I wanted to ask you about a player from the Australian League. Uh, who uh, who's who's being touted? He's a six eight point guard for Adelaide. His name is Josh Giddy. Yeah, six eight is awful big for a point guard. He's actually kind of a combo guard, though, isn't he? Yeah, you know they're playing him at the point right now. The crazy thing about Josh is he's he's playing heavy minutes in a good league, not a great league. You know the NBL is kind of middle of the pack, but these are men, former college stars. He's playing a lot of minutes and he's only 18 years old, uh, Chris, which bodes well. They are, they have given him the ball. He reminds me of a kid that I watched a number of years ago who's still in Chicago, Tomas Satoransky, uh, from the Czech Republic, six, seven point guard, not a great shooter, which has always been Tomas's downfall, but he's been in the league now for a number of years. Josh is a really good prospect. I expect him to go in the first round. I do probably in the top 20 picks because He's got a uh, positional size. He's a legit point guard. He's an athlete and he's going to be 19 in October. So what's, what's he going to be like when he's 23? I, I think he's got good value. If not high in the top 10, I definitely think he goes in that like 15 to 25 range. And one other guy I wanted to ask you about is a, a center. Um, uh, uh, it's the, it's Al, uh, it's Al Perry Al from Besiktas. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I watched it. I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, uh, he's very, he's a big methodical kid. Uh, I'll give you a couple guys to keep your eye on, but I was not, a, I'm not a big fan of his overall game. It's crazy. He's putting up good numbers in the Turkish league and it's, a, and that's a, a reasonably good league, but um, he's heavy legged. Um, he's a below the rim guy. And in my humble opinion, he doesn't fit the modern NBA right now. So he's on, you know, keep in mind, these are mock drafts. And unless you're peeking at uh, Donnie Nelson's board or you can sneak into, you know, Bobby Myers draft room, um, these are all guesses right now. It's so early. There's a kid in Kentucky, BJ Boston, who's having an awful freshman year, was a high school All-American, 
who started out the year as the number three ranked guy on our ESPN board. And now they have him somewhere in the twenties. And uh, so, you know, it's early, but uh, I'm not a big fan of saying, uh, let's see, I got to remember how to say it. Shingun, uh, Shingun. Yeah. And, and uh, below the rim guy, um, I'd have to see more from him. And Cade uh, Cunningham from Oklahoma uh, State is right now number one on, on Jonathan Gavoni's draft, uh, mock draft. Tell us a little bit about him. Well, I've seen him quite a bit. He's in, he's in my wheelhouse because he's a Dallas kid. And, of course, I cover the Big 12. We just had a game yesterday. Listen, he is going to be, at worst, an NBA uh, – how do I say it? He's definitely going to start on some really good teams. He's a 6'8". Uh, I would call him a point forward. Uh, I don't. I know he's he's fancied as a point guard, but much like Luka Doncic, and he's not in that realm. Believe me, but um, he's not going to be able to guard NBA guards, uh, point guards. But he's a tremendous teammate, uh, a great college player so far, and deserving of being considered the number one pick. I am. Cons- I'm. I, I. How do I put it? I wouldn't shut the door on him being automatically the number one pick yet. Uh, Josh Green in the G League, uh, who was considered by ESPN the number one high school player, Cade was number two. Um, I think he's still in the mix for number one. I really do. And and Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga is Chauncey Billups reincarnated. Uh, six foot five, can play both the one and the two, is a two-way player. So Cade Cunningham's a tremendous college player and will be a very good NBA player. I just don't want to shut the door on a couple other guys, including Kaminga, by the way, uh, with that number one pick. The problem, Chris, as you know, is these most NBA teams are not sending their scouts out right now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're not getting all the intel that they would have this at this time of the year. I think that the information will catch up. Kate is certainly in the running for the, being the number one pick and probably today would be. But I don't think it's this, as foregone a conclusion as some do. How important is it, Fran, for, for a scout to see guys, especially when, when you're talking uh, about, you know, 18 and 19-year-olds, whether they're United States or overseas, for a scout to be in a gym and see a player with his own eyes versus watching him on tape? It's critical, Chris. There's so many things you can learn. First of all, when you're in a gym, and you've done this many times being around NBA scouts, you know, athleticism pops out. You know, it just pops out in person. It really does. And then to be able for an NBA scout to go watch practices and see when a guy is coached hard, uh, you know, and I think of Tom Izzo and Miles Bridges or uh, Coach K or Bill Self, when you're in a gym watching a young man coached, you can tell a lot about body language and effort. Um, and then, you know, NBA, my, my best, uh, the guys that you and I would come to respect as NBA scouts, they're at, a, they're at a game an hour and a half before watching the kids shooting for them. In some cases, they may play on a real – Jalen Suggs is a great example. He's on a team with two other guys who legitimately could be uh, All-Americans. They've got three All-Americans on their team, in Drew Timmy and uh, Jalen Suggs and uh, Corey Kispert. So to get into a gym an hour and a half before a game and watch Jalen Suggs warm up and check his shooting form out is critical because that particular night, Gonzaga might beat Pacific by 25 – and Suggs only takes six shots, even though we all know he's a top five pick. So getting eyes on a kid in person is definitely critical. And it is something that many of our friends in the scouting community are missing right now. 
Yeah, in the journalism community as well, because yes. it's a lot harder to cover or to broadcast a basketball game when you're doing it from home. Versus <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it, you're the eyes and ears of the uh, of the viewer or the reader when you're when you're there. Uh, when you're when you're doing it off TV and off of Zoom, it's just not the same, and the the quality of the coverage suffers. But look, we're gonna all get through this someday, yes. and uh, let's all get through it safely and and smartly, and then let's all get back in the gyms and do what we do best and and do it in the best manner we can. Well, my 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 uh, I guess my phrase I keep telling myself every game I do this year is just to have joy for the game. You know, you and I have been in a playground of life uh, for our careers. And with all the stuff going on in the world with the pandemic, every time I get to broadcast the game, and tomorrow night will be Oklahoma State at Kansas. I would love to be in Allen Fieldhouse. I'll be home in Dallas. But it's not going to uh, diminish uh, the love I have for the game. And I'm going to treat it like I'm at the game. I'm going to get just excited, just as excited from home as I would if I were there. And uh, feel I feel myself lucky that we get to have a college basketball and an NBA season this year. Yeah, the the thing that's missing is the adrenaline rush, and we're all adrenaline junkies. In the- <laughs> when you're you know when you're at a place like Cole Fieldhouse or when, when you're at a Duke Carolina game, there's yeah, it, it just courses through your veins because there's so many people there. Same as being at an NBA any NBA basketball game where yeah. or at an NBA Finals game, especially. Man, the experience of being in the building and the, the rush you get, there's no replacing it. So yeah. we'll all get back there, but I don't think we're going to get back there this season, but hopefully next season. Um, yeah, we've I'm all been for the best. enough to know that the seasons keep coming. Yeah, except they're, they're running out on guys like you and me. I don't want to miss too many more. <laughs> <laughs> I plan to do this for another 55 years. So. I love it. I love it. I do too. It's uh, I'm double yeah. up. I'm in the playground of life and I haven't had a day of, of work in my life. I went from coaching to broadcasting. And uh, so, yeah, tomorrow night you'll get the same friend for show you normally get. Although as soon as the game ends, I'll go into my kitchen and grab a bite to eat. But uh, we're going to celebrate the game because that's what we do. You know, we, we all know the sacrifices, by the way, that these players are making. Think about not just the college and the NBA players, but think of all those American players that are playing overseas. You know, we talk about international guys and I've talked to I've talked to the Kevin Pangoses of the world and, you know, the Billy Barons who who's playing in Russia was a great player at Canisius. These guys are locked down in, you know, in many cases in places around the world. And, you know, if it wasn't for Skype and Zoom and, uh, you know, Netflix, I'm not sure what they would be doing. But, hey, they're playing basketball. They're you know, they're doing something they love like we are. And uh, like you said, Chris, we guess we got to get through this. Yeah, we we will. We will. Yeah. Fran, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, tell all your friends to check out basketballnews.com. We've got a great story, a brand new story on there today from Troy Brown of the Washington Wizards, taking us behind the scenes of what it was like to be with the Wizards as they had to sit out games because of a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, bunch yep. of podcasts on our on, on our site, James Posey's postcast. Jadakiss just came aboard, and Jadakiss is doing one, doing a, uh, a podcast with Kenyon Martin, my producer Brian Fritz, uh, and the Caius Duncan do keep it at ninety four dishes and dimes. The follow through, uh, we got a ton of podcasts and a ton of good written content, uh, and we're going to keep coming at you with more and more at uh, basketballnews.com, which I'm proud to be a part of as we uh, enter, I believe, our sixth month now. So cool! I'm going to get on it right now. All right, Fran, thanks for coming aboard. And uh, to all my listeners, I'll be back with another show as soon as possible. But it's got to get the guest has got to be 
at least three quarters as good as Fran was today. Well, thank you, Chris. Always great to catch up and uh, stay safe and we'll talk hoops soon. All right, thanks. And with that, everybody, uh, we'll join you next time. Over and out.